Welcome to the Queer Voices Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Larissa Russell. Join us today and each week as we talk to people from the LGBT plus community to share their stories, the good, the bad, and the inspirational. Sharing stories, making connections, saving lives. Welcome. I'm Larissa Russell of Queer Voices, and today I have with me Pedro, also known as Fila de Mai. Pedro is a 34-year-old Portuguese actor, DJ, and dancer with drag taste and online food and drag experience. Welcome, Pedro. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed our experience with drag taste. And we we came, our group of women from across Canada and the United States, we're part of a mastermind and we came to an, and it was just really enjoyable. And I've been a part of the drag community here in, in my city. And so I thought I kind of was like, oh yeah, I've seen it all, right? <laughs> you've seen it all, you've seen backstage, but I was really impressed with it. So can you tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up with Drag Taste? Uh, I became an actor uh, because I studied lots of different kinds of arts. Uh, I, be, I studied by uh, studying uh, music, then uh, dance. I became a professional dancer and I was always having like uh, acting classes and uh, I was not happy as a dancer. I was, there was not the thing that was like, me. It, it was hard. Guys, dancing is so hard. You're you're gonna have a pain every single day. Your, your, your body's not ready for that. Uh, and um, I was doing musical theater a lot uh, and uh, I was always working as a dancer invited to be part of the, the acting cast in the middle of the production. And the first production that they invited me to do a character as an actor and not a dancer that was doing an actor, it was La Cajo Folle, the, the musical. Yes. And uh, I was one of the drag characters um, and I was doing like a... Um, at the end, we had like this kind of thing that we were like talking about old Portuguese drag queens from the past that were like really, really, really big in the past. And I did one of the burlesque ones that is uh, uh, Lydia Barlov. She was like amazing in the 80s. She was like that kind of queen with balloon boobs and she was like popping the balloons in the stage and this kind of thing. And I was studying um, the actor because he was like an amazing actor that has a drag character. And I was like, Oh, see, he was an actor, and everyone know his uh, uh, job from the TV, from from the movies, and it is time to be a drag. There was not something that was usual in the eighties, um, and I was like, oh, I like this. I was studying him, and I feel connected with the drag community here in Portland, Lisbon, and Porto. I did lots of interviews to the drag community. And then the people saw me on stage and they liked it and they started inviting me for, for doing stuff as well. And I was like, okay. I was like, oh, from La Casa Fall, you have Pedro and he's in drag. And I was like being always Pedro in drag. Um, and then like more than 10 years ago when the, the big financial crisis came uh, here in Portugal, uh, we lost our jobs in theater. The big companies lost everything. Uh, and I was with no job. And I'll always work uh, with music for my shows uh, as dancer and uh, uh, in musical. I always work with music. And there was a gay uh, club that uh, invited me to be the DJ there. So I started doing, uh, working as a DJ there. And years later they said, oh, you know, when you did drag in the show, 
did you like to do drag as DJ drag? And I was like, oh, that's an idea we can try. But look, I don't want to be like the, the fish queen and this kind of things because uh, I think it's pretty, but it's just that I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel it for myself. Uh, can I, can I do something different? And I start doing like some experience with like a kind of fluid persona. Uh, and one year later, I found Filha da Mãe. Uh, and I decided to keep on uh, with it. That is uh, my beard queen, my traditional uh, 50s housewife, but with beer and with the power in the house. That, that, that's, uh, and, uh, and my name, Filha da Mãe, is um, what we could call, uh, it, it, this is G-rated, right? <laughs> what we could call the female version of son of a witch, you know, uh, but but that, that's what, what it means. That that's something that we we use. It's not a bad word in Portuguese. What we use when somebody's doing like uh, somebody's being like bad, and it's like oh, filha da mãe. When somebody does something really really good, they say oh, filha da mãe. He did it. He did it. Filha da mãe. And you can use it for girls and for boys. And you always use the feminine version, filha. Never like filho. It's you like filha da mãe. And so I, I, I embrace that, that idea uh, of the, this, this character that you can, it's a word that you can use for everybody. Uh, and you, you can uh, come as a bad thing because for, for the, the, the straight normative eyes, it's like, like a, what, what is happening there? Uh, and then you can say, that, no, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is a, uh, a power image. So feel that my born. And during this pandemic, I was at home again, new crisis, no job at all. My five jobs closed. I was at home with my husband and we're like, oh, we don't have anything to do. And in last May, Pedro Pico, the owner of Taste Palmins, Oh, darling, um, I know you and I know your character. Do you want to be part of our family? And I was like, oh, this is dangerous. I want to see people that I don't know during the pandemic. What can I do? And they said, darling, we are living all together. There is no risk at all. We, are, we, we close inside of a house. Uh, we have a pool here. We are like doing like uh, everything together. And we are moving to our place to do the online experiences. They already started with online experiences. And I was like, oh, that can be something good because my husband, it's uh, diabetic. Uh, and it's like from, it's part of the, 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 the risk group. So I was really, really afraid to get out of the house. And in May, I was like going shop like twice per month putting all my clothes in the door, coming totally naked, you know, like, oh, washing my stuff. And then I was talking with him. I was so afraid. He, he didn't went out of the house for a long, long, long period. Um, and for us, it was really complicated. So I started working with drag tastes because they were like feeling really, really in a protected environment. And I was supposed to be one of the Sangria hosts, the one that you did. Uh, and, and, in the first meeting, we were like starting to dream and we decided to create a, a, a musical show, a musical theater show for kids. So my second day was already uh, meeting online with the, the biggest uh, musical theater producers that I know here in Portugal, creating a, a, a live show to be online uh, in Zoom. 
uh, and I started working with them. And, and now it's amazing because I grew up so, so, so hard in the company. Right now I'm the art director of the company. I take care about all the, the, the artists that work with us. I create the shows next to Babaya Samambaya, that is our choreographer. Uh, we have uh, nowadays that the greatest, uh, I was talking with you before, the greatest was like a, a live uh, thing that starts in, in a flat, in a private flat that we uh, people were like transforming everybody into drag queens and teaching them how to cook Portuguese food. That was the start. And then after the pandemic, we had to close and they, they created Sangria and Secrets with drag queens that she did. That is like something totally different that, from what happens in the world and what exists in the world. It's something that is totally different. And, and right now, they started with seven people living together. Right now, we are more than 30 people in the company in less than one year. So uh, we are growing up so hard and so good during these times that all the theaters are closed, all the clubs are closed and for, for drag uh, community, it's something that is really hard. And we have drag queens, dancers, singers, acrobats, uh, circus artists, fire, uh, you know, the people that, that spill fire. We have everybody uh, in, in our in our family right now. That, that's something that is really, really good during these times because we can always like be bigger and bigger and invite people from our community. So we can protect uh, our our community to be part of this, this big dream. So it's really cool. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, I just, I think it's an amazing thing when I found out about it. I was like, wow, that's that's way to uh, pivot is the word that people use, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> but I just think that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, and so enjoyable. I know why you're so popular. It's not it's not um, you. You guys put on a great show and, and all of that. So I think that's really important. So that's what you do now. But how was it growing up? And like you're, you have you always lived in Portugal? Yes, I always lived in Portugal. I born in Lisbon, that is the capital. But when I was like six years old, uh, like in the in the middle of my first uh, my first grade uh, in school, I moved to a really really small town, like a, a, a fisherman town uh, close to the beach, and it was uh, totally different because I came from the capital and I went to a, a place where my my colleagues went to, to go was going to the school. Uh, on horses and things like that. <laughs> it was really, really countryside. And I was like, this is not normal. And and even like my image on that time was really, really, really different. Zara, you know, the, the store Zara? No. But just Zara, it's like a, a Spanish big thing. We have uh, uh, like, uh, they do like almost like fake versions of big designers. And oh, yes, that, yes. Okay, I, yes. I have heard of that one, yeah. Like Zara was like just open at the first store in Portugal when I was six and I was like dressing as a sailor because it was really like a boutique kind of thing. And I was like as a, a little sailor boy and uh, everybody in my new school was like, why you're dressing as a sailor? This is not carnival. Why you're like using a costume? And like, it's not costume, it's my clothes. And I always feel, feel a little bit as an outsider. Uh, my mom was like the first divorced mom in the town. So it was like a big thing when we moved in. Um, and, and since then, it was really hard to find my group and find my people. 
and I found it in arts. So I started in, to study arts when I was eight, and I found it that kind of community uh, in, in my, my music classes, in my dance class, in my theater classes. But it was really always different because I felt that I was different. I always wanted like to use like different kind of clothes. I started to uh, paint my hair when I was twelve. I started using uh, uh, earring when I was twelve. My mom was crazy about it. She liked it. She was always like supporting me and say like, "Oh, did you see this in magazine? These guys are so cool with these earrings. You want to have an earring?" And like, "Yes, let's go. Let's do an earring." Uh, and I had like. Uh, a big, 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 big family really protected. And I had such amazing women close to me, my mom, my aunt, my, my grandmoms. They, they were always like my big, big support. Um, and for me, it was normal because I was living with all these, with ladies that I had things that usually the people think that is for ladies, that I like to dance, I like to read, I like to, to, to use costumes. I always love to use costumes. Uh, and, and for me, it was normal. I don't like soccer. I don't like uh, uh, to, to, to do sports. And for me, it was something uh, normal. But when I was like 10, I start understanding that the people were not or watching me as a normal person because I was doing things different. I remember that I was um, at the end of, of the, the school year, we had like a show and we were doing like a kind of the lip sync battle show, you know, on TV. We're like doing like the lip sync for, for, for famous singers. And we had like some girls from the last year that were doing the Spice Girl routine and they were like exactly the same and I was crazy about them. And I did a Brazilian uh, singer and I did my show and I was dancing with my backup dancers and I was doing like performing as the guy with long hair with a wig. My, my mom did my makeup so I looked tan and I was like with my sunglasses and everybody loved it. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be part of the showbiz. That, I, that's what I want to do. Now I really want to study theater and everything. And, and the people started saying, oh, he dances, like this kind of things. He doesn't know how to play soccer. And in, in the small way, um, the things start to change. In, in, in my sixth grade, after this, it was totally different. The guys didn't talk with me. Uh, the girls were just talking with me uh, when they were just with the girls and the, when they were in front of the boys, they, they didn't. So for me, it was like, I said, create my own world. You know, I was like my shell that I was protecting myself. And I had like lots of crazy moments that uh, in, in the locker room, uh, people that were like, uh, just stealing my my backpack just to make fun of me because uh they thought always that it, it was okay to make fun of me but since when i was really young i i, I started to understand that um if they can do that to me i can do it back or i can do i have an answer um and and i always like fight back but not like in a hard way or not like in a aggressive way but I always fight back I always uh, was like um, I talk a lot and I was always like why are you doing this to me why do you do this to me are you, are you sure that you, this is the right thing to do uh, look at yourself look at your problems look, take care about yourself and, and I was always like this so I just I, f I, I was fighting a lot 
till I was like 14 or something, really hard, like uh, problems in school because people were being aggressive to me and I was being aggressive back. But when I, when I was like 14, I decided like, no, let, let me use something that they don't have. I have the power in my voice. Let, let, let me use my voice. And I start um, uh, working in the, the school newspaper. I start uh, writing a lot and being part of the, the writing competition in the school. And it was always about uh, being different and trying to explain my side. And the people start to embrace myself for what I was. They start to understand me a little bit better. It was a, a process in, in the school. In high school, I moved to a bigger town. It was, again, the same thing. And I, I then I quit. I decided to quit. I said, like, I, I don't want to try this again. I'll be just myself. I go home. I come back. I go to school. I go to my dance classes. I go to my theater classes. And I go, I go home. And I don't care anymore. And those three years that was really, really fast because I had a lot of things to do in my uh, free time. I, I, I was studying to go to, to the dance university that I went. And, and when I came back to Lisbon, to the capital, um, I didn't find myself as, as a queer person. Actually, I was a really, 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 really bad for queer persons because I was feeling that I was not part of that community. I don't want to be part of that community. I didn't embrace my, my sexuality as well for uh, to, uh, being too old because I was not ready for that. My first kiss, it was to a girl when I was in my second year in, in, the, in the university. So I was like, I don't want to go to that way because I know what's on, on the end of the world and I don't want to, to find the end of the world. Uh, but when I found it, I understood that it's everything okay. And I was so lucky because in every job that I have, in, uh, I was working in theater, so it's totally okay to be gay. I was working uh, in, in, a, in, the, in a gay club, so it's totally okay to be gay. I was working in the, in, in the hostel. I, I managed a hostel till last year, till the pandemic start. I was the manager of the hostel and I was so okay to be gay that I was talking with that, uh, about that with, with, the, with our guests as a random conversation when they were like asking, oh, do you want to go out today? Do you want to go to the bars? And I was like, oh, I have to ask to my husband. And we're like, are you gay? Yes, I am. And they were like, oh, really? Let's talk about that as a normal thing. And I think that when, when we are totally okay with us, that we are not afraid of the others think about us, it's a big, a big power because the people are more interested to understand so if he's okay with that, there's no problem. He's not afraid to be gay. So that's not a problem. Let me understand why it's not a problem. And we can talk about that. And we can teach people, we can, we can spill the tea and we can uh, teach them how to be a better person and how to think in, in, in a normal, normal way. Like for example, my mom now has a, a boyfriend. She's really happy for the last four years. Uh, and I'm with uh, with Key, my husband, for the last five years. And when they started dating, it was uh, making lots of uh, gay jokes. Oh, that guy looked really gay. <laughs> Look at that that trouser that he used and this kind of thing. And my mom, first date, said, like, we have to stop with that. 
my son is gay and I'm really proud of him. So you have to stop with that. Uh, and when he came to visit us for the first time, he was so afraid. And that's the thing. Straight people are afraid of us because they don't understand us. They don't know what we are because it's not part of their, their reality. And he was really afraid because for the unexpected. And at the end of the day, he just told my mom, oh, they are regular people. They are normal people. Uh, and that, that was the thing. Uh, he opened his parents' house for us. We went to visit them. They are really, really old. And they knew that we, we were gay. And they are like more than 90 years old. And they were like totally fine with that. My grandma, the first time, my mom was really afraid to tell my grandma that I was gay. But my, mom, my grandma always knew. And when my mom said, oh, you know, Pedro and Guy, they are living together. But as a couple, because they like each other. And my, grand, my grandma asked, so is the house big enough for me to visit them? That's, that, that was the, the, the big important thing. She came here to visit us. She looked to our room. Oh, is that your room? Oh, it looks nice. She never had a problem with that. Uh, that that's, that's the thing. If you're okay with you, and it, if it, my grandma went to watch the show, A Casual Fall, I was doing drag and he was like, she went, uh, you know, we have like a thing that people come from small towns to the big town to watch theater and they come in like in a big bus and she came with a big bus with a lots of old ladies and old fellas and they came to, to watch the show. And when I came in, in, in the in the stage, she was like, look, that's my grandson, the one with the good legs. Look at him. That's my grandson. So... Uh, I, I never felt that my family was not supporting me as well. Never. It was always good in, in that thing. I, I felt that the community was not supporting me when I was young. Uh, but I, I, I think I found a way to, to reverse that. And today I understand that, that that things that happened in the past, that during that time, it's really hard for us to, to live them. And it's like, uh, it looks like it's the, the end of the world. It's not. Because we are learning with that. And we'll go home. We will put our, oh, the people won't have CDs anymore. We put uh, our Sp uh, Spotify uh, in the best song that we love. And we cry in our bed. And, and we, we, we take our frustration and we start writing. And we learn that we are good writers. Or we start dancing and we learn that we are good dancers. Or we start uh, doing clothes. And we start doing things uh, because we are more inside of our rooms. Uh, that's a good thing. We use our time in, in a better way. And if the people don't understand us, and if you don't have the power yet to change their mind, uh, we can like just uh, uh, learn how to live with us first, firstly, and then learn how to explain them that we can be different. Even if you're not queer, you're just different, just because you like something different. Uh, you can just explain them that it's okay to be different and not, that there's not a problem. And in the future, that skills will be amazing for you, yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that because it's true. If we can just spend that time working on ourselves, we'll be that much further ahead when we're out in the world. Um, it's not always that easy when you're a teen, as you know, but um, just something to think about, another way of looking at it to, to know that you better things are ahead and you can spend this time working on you. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, it's been amazing to talk to you. And I love the fact that we can now talk to people around the world 
And I would never have found you without the pandemic and, you know, finding the uh, drag taste on Airbnb. So I think that's amazing. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share? That's what I say in our experiences in drag taste. Uh, it was like we were in Lisbon and we were waiting to the people to visit us. Right now, I like to use this expression. We share smiles with the world. And that, that's true. The thing that we make the people smile all, all over the world just because they came to do the experience with the drag queens. And they are thinking, some some of the people, uh, they, they come and they say like, oh, we are going to the zoo and watch the monkeys. I don't care because at the end, that's the important thing. At the end, they say like, wow, they're really artists. They are really doing this thing really, really good. This is totally different. And they are really, really good doing this. And the singing is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and they, they, at the end, they, they are always saying that, that that's what, what matters, that I had a, good, a great time. And it was a bad time. The pandemic was terrible, but imagine, we can take this idea of drag taste for our lives because drag taste, it was a small company with less than one year that was closing in a house and we are waiting for everybody to visit us. With the pandemic, we grew so much. We were like just seven people working. And after I uh, went in the, the company in May, now we are more than 30 people. So we have jobs for more people and almost everybody queer people. So that's amazing. It was during the dark times. So this was our uh, teenage for, for the adult life. This was like, uh, as we are becoming teenagers again and we have all the bullers in the house, there are coronavirus and we're like, well done. We can do something better. We go to our rooms, we'll cry a little bit, but we're gonna find a solution. And we found the solution. The solution is to be online and to be talking with everybody. And you could visit us and now we are talking here. And th that's great. And it's so, so good. It's so good to have like new faces every single day. It's so great. <laughs> I love that part. I love that part. So to our listeners, I wanna thank you again for being here to witness another story in the life of our community. Thanks for listening to Queer Voices. Our goal with Queer Voices is to help our youth know that they're not alone. Our suicide rate for LGBT plus youth is as much as eight times higher than hetero youth. This is not acceptable. When our youth find acceptance, this number drops significantly. Save a life today. Show your child or an LGBT youth in your life that you care. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes so we can help get the word out. Sharing stories, making connections, saving lives.